This is More Than Before with Nathan Cook. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. I am super excited. Today, we have a special guest who has helped the city of Mantici. I was I was pronouncing it wrong. He was kind enough to correct me earlier, but he, he helped this city in Mississippi to be awarded the Blue Cross Blue Shield Healthiest Cities in Mississippi, which is absolutely spectacular. He was recognized back in 2020, actually, as Physical Therapist Assistant of the Year, and uh, he has a perfect attendance starting from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. I think that's pretty much a miracle. I don't think that's possible. I don't know. You must never have gotten sick or maybe, I mean, maybe back, you know, when you were a kid, they just wouldn't let you stay home. Even if you were sick, they just, they wanted those germs to pass to all the other kids. I don't know. <laughs> uh, he is an accomplished runner. He has run multiple marathons, half Ironman races, uh, ultra marathons. One of the things I love about this guy is he has a huge heart. He has a huge passion to serve others. And I'm really excited to have him on today so that we can all learn from him, learn about his story, learn a little bit more about who he is and and how he became this incredible guy. Welcome to the show, Corey Lee. I'm so excited to have you on, brother. How are you today? Nathan, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm really excited about our conversation. You're somebody I have a ton, a ton of respect for and uh, man, you did your homework right there. How about that? So really excited. About I, I try to do a little bit of homework. I, I try to impress the guests more than anyone else, just so they <laughs> think that I know what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Come on. That's some of that's back in the day stuff. Kindergarten through high school. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you gotta be, you gotta be careful what you put out there on the internet. Cause you, you never know who's going to find it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> One of the things I love about you truly is, um, just, how nice of a guy you are. Um, you, we, we had some opportunities uh, when we were at an event, we actually met uh, for the first time face to face at an event uh, earlier this year, which was pretty amazing. It was a invite only event. Uh, we happened to, you know, run into the same uh, event and got to connect and we got to have dinner uh, a couple times and, and really get to know each other a little bit deeper. And one of the things I really love about you is that kind hardness that kind of shows up for you. I, I do recall, though, we were walking to a restaurant one evening. It wasn't a healthy restaurant. <laughs> uh, I mean, I do remember I didn't eat healthy. You ordered a salad, so kudos to you. But, uh, you know, as we were talking, you were you were starting to tell me about your running and, and how you love to run, and you had, like, um, a number of different runs that you had coming up this year. And so I was, I was actually kind of curious – was exercise kind of always a thing for you in your life? Was that kind of an identity piece that you had? Because I know for myself, I grew up doing pretty much every sport that I could get my hands on. And I would say that probably that was my identity because it was what I wrapped myself with. Um, was, was that always kind of a thing in your life that exercise was maybe what you wrapped your life in? Or, or is that something that came a little bit later on in life? Yeah, I would say um, that actually came a little bit later on in life. I uh, growing up, I played sports as well, baseball, football, all the good stuff right there. And I always had a dream of uh, playing professional baseball, Nathan. Ooh. And um, But I also had this belief of staying humble. And see, the staying humble, I took it to the extreme of thinking that I was less than and that people were better than me. And, and where I'm going with this story, to answer your question, is I had the opportunity to play college baseball, but because I took that wrong definition of what humility was, it actually caused me to lack self-confidence. And so I didn't even show up for my own tryout 
for college baseball. I actually ended up going to college to be a physical therapist assistant because I didn't think I was smart enough to be a real physical therapist. But what happened was I had a teacher come up to me one day, and I don't know, Nathan, if you've ever had this or if anybody listening has ever had this, but you have those teachers that just stay on you. You know, they just stay on you to, to, to try new things is what I'm talking about. She was always on me to do new and different things. And what I like to say is that her title was teacher, but what she was was a leader because she Mm. saw something in me that I couldn't see within myself. And what she challenged me to do, Nathan, was a 5K. She challenged me to do a 5K. (laughs) It wasn't that big. It wasn't great, you know? And But again, playing high school baseball and football, you didn't get up on a Saturday morning to go do a fun run. That did not make any sense, right? Fun fun and run do not belong in the same <laughs> sentence. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like they keep disguising these runs. I, like they have a Tough Mudder up north in the in the Washington, <laughs> Seattle area where you have to run through mud. Like, I, I mean, maybe I think people actually go to a spa to put mud on top of themselves. So like maybe it's spa people that like want to get their run and their spa time in. I don't know. Yeah, so fun right. run, that doesn't, that doesn't sound great to me. <laughs> so so well, you're, didn't to me you're doing this time. fun run on weekends. <laughs> That's right. But, but I, I respected my teachers. So I decided to go do this race and something interesting happened as I ran that race and across the finish line, they put that little finisher's medal around my neck. This thought just boop, popped into my mind of, man, I just ran three miles without stopping. I wonder how much further I can go. And it just sparked something in me to say, I wonder how much further I can go. I wonder what else I can do. And so mm. I, I started challenging myself to, you know, let's try six. And then that six turned into 13, 13 turned into 26, 26 into 31, ran a 31 mile race on the beach in Destin, Florida, won the thing first place overall. And it sparked another thought in my mind of, I just ran further than I thought was possible. I wonder what other areas of my life am I holding back in? And it was Mm. really at that point that that fitness did become more of an identity piece, uh, really to challenge myself. I, I love doing it now just for the, the the health benefits all that but it started out as a challenge i wonder how much further i can go and i mm. uh, started asking myself that question that's what led to all of our businesses and kind of still ask that question to this day you know um but it is it is a big part of my life now not so much back then <laughs> <laughs> well i love that because the, the couple things that you said that are, i i love First of all, there was someone in your life, and, and I'm finding this more and more, you know, for those of you that are listening, you know this, that with every guest that we've talked to, every single guest seems to say something similar, that they didn't believe that they were something, and someone saw them in maybe a, a piece of where they didn't feel like they were enough, that they felt broken, and they said, you know what, you're you're actually kind of cool, like you've got some talents, you just need to go out and you need to challenge yourself, you need to try something new. And having a leader, as you and I would call them, in your life to actually see something inside of you is actually truly spectacular. So I absolutely love that. But there's also this willingness piece to be able to step out and try new challenges. 
in your life, Corey, you you have been kind of on this track of fitness for a while. There's a lot of people in the in the world that I think there's kind of two sides of the coin. There's either I really love fitness and I can't get enough of it and I just got to go work out and like and then there's the other people that can't quite imagine themselves even working out. <laughs> maybe maybe in a really bad nightmare, uh, they wake up and, you know, sweating. They go, oh, my gosh, I just ran a 5K. <laughs> Corey, Corey does this for fun at this point. So yeah. I, I love that because that challenge truly does bring out a side of you that maybe no one else would have ever seen before. So you're you were telling in your story of how you got to this place of being a, a physical therapy assistant, which I think is great because so many people have this dream and they go, well, no, I probably can't. I probably can't get the full meal deal. Maybe I should discount it. Maybe I should just get that. You know, I, I, I know I could get close, but I'm probably not going to get it. So let's just lower expectation so that I feel better in the long run. How, how did that start to translate and change? Because it's not a quick road to become a physical therapy assistant. It's almost like you should get halfway through that kind of school and you should go, you know what? I might as well just go for the whole meal deal. You didn't do that. What was the shift inside of you? I know you were talking about this a little bit earlier, but what was the shift inside of you at that point to say, you know what? Um, I, I need to make a change. I need to, I need to explore something else, something more that I want to be. Yeah, yeah. No. So what what's interesting about that? So going into college again, I always thought I was going to be a professional baseball player. It's not going to happen if you don't show up for your own tryout. So Nathan, you know, <laughs> I, people were asking, "What are you? What are you going to do?" I was like, "I really don't know." And I never even heard of physical therapy. Honestly, never even heard of it. <laughs> but I was at church one day, and this lady comes up to him, and she says, "Corey, they've got this radiology program at the community college, and I think it's only a two year degree." And I think they'll start you out about $40,000 per year. I was like, what? Somebody would pay me $40,000 per year? Sign me up for that, right? Like, I mean, I've been working part-time for like $7 an hour. That sounded rich. And so I go to our community college. And at our community college, it's a big health science community college. And they have nursing. They have physical therapy. They have all of it that you can apply for. Nathan, I applied to every one of them. I applied to all of them. <laughs> I don't know anything about any of them. And so, throw, throw a dart in the darkness and hope that it hits somewhere. <laughs> that's right. Well, I, I did that. And uh, what what happened as part of those those processes there, you have to go and observe and, and watch. And when I went to observe physical therapy, I saw people who were one way and then they through exercise, they were able to get back to doing what they wanted to do previously. And I was like, why has someone never even told me about this? This is amazing. Hmm. And so I, I get into the physical therapy program. And actually, I just stayed a physical therapist assistant. My wife went on and got her doctorate's degree. And we, we opened up our own physical therapy business, served our community. And primarily the reason I stayed as an assistant is because she was a the physical therapist, and we could still run it as uh, we wanted our business as we wanted to as entrepreneurs and uh, as a partnership. And uh, it worked out worked out great. Getting into this <laughs> physical therapy program, I want you to know this: they accept thirteen people. All right, thirteen. That's it. There's over two hundred fifty people apply. The average GPA is like a three point five. I'm sitting at a two point five. 
Okay, 2.5, not good grades. And, uh, but I knew, I know my strengths, Nathan, that if I can get an interview, then I can get in, right? And so, so I didn't have the best grades. I didn't have all the credentials that they were looking for, but I got an interview. And Nathan, I knew I could nail that interview. And that's kind of how I actually got into the physical therapy program uh, was working with the strengths that we have, right? So. You know what I love about that, though, because so many people disqualify themselves before they even start. You know, there are people that have a dream that they want to go and pursue and they want to start moving towards that. But they, they disqualify themselves because they don't have a credential to actually move in that direction. And what I love about what you just said, you knew your strengths. You knew your strengths that if you were able to get an interview, you would land it. And I think so many people need to hear that today, that there are opportunities jobs. There are opportunities in relationships, all kinds of things. There's all kinds of opportunities that surround us, but you have to be willing to one, know your strengths and know how to position yourself. You knew how to position yourself in an interview. You had to get to the interview part first, which is so important. But I think so many people don't actually take a chance because they don't feel like they have the credentials of some kind to move forward. So I I think that's an absolutely spectacular point that make sure, you know, if you're listening to this right now, write that down. What, what have you been stepping back in, in your life and not going forward towards a dream because you go, man, I don't have the credentials. I don't feel like I have everything in place. Know your strengths. And if you don't know your strengths, that's a really important thing to maybe even start with. Cora, I'd love to ask you that because identity really is important in terms of understanding what you're good at. It's not necessarily that you find your identity of like, you know, I'm really good at sports. So my identity is in sports. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what are those core strengths that you have that no matter where you show up, those things show up with you naturally. Corey, how did you discover some of those strengths that you have? Like this one of like being a communicator and a good speaker. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, um, I really want to speak into something you just said right there, because I hope it'll help those listeners. I love what you said right there about not feeling like you have the credentials. There was a point when we were looking at opening up our physical therapy business and I was driving around town and I went to all these other physical therapy clinics and outside their door, they have their names and all their credentials. And they, they looked like the doggone alphabet that I was looking at. Like they have all they these were, credentials. They were, <laughs> they were like in the military and they had like yes. ribbons going down one side and then down the back side. <laughs> all this stuff. And uh, I remember being dejected. I really was. I was like, man, there's no way I can compete with these people. Look at that. They got the alphabet behind their name. I'm just an assistant. <laughs> my wife just graduated. There's no way. And I went home and I told my wife that. And she said something that was profound. She said, but you know how to make people feel good. Mm. And it wasn't necessarily what it was the meaning behind what she said that I have my own strengths, but so do they, those people, those other therapists, they are incredible people. I know them. They have their own strengths that they bring, but I do as well. So to answer your question, sometimes you don't even know what your strengths are until you have somebody point them out. And Mm. So having people in your life that can speak into that, I think another thing for me is having some kind of rhythm of reflection, because when we reflect and we take time to digest those experiences, allows the lessons to catch up with us. You know, that's what John Maxwell says. Experience isn't the greatest teacher, but evaluated experience is making a habit of doing that 
and understand this too, that as I continue to grow and as I continue to push to see how far I come, you know what's going to happen is you're going to hit the lid. I'm going to hit the lid of my current skill level and ability. Yeah. And it's in those moments that I can choose to be down, that I can choose to be frustrated. I can choose to complain or I can say, all right, how do I grow from this? So mm -hmm. I've, I've tried to position myself as a student and not be offended or, uh, you know, get caught up in the emotion. The emotions are real. They really are not trying to downplay those emotions of, you know, feeling sorry for yourself and all that. Had a guy say one time, you got 24 hours, Nathan, 24 hours. You get a big success. You got 24 hours to celebrate. But after that, it's time to move on. If you got a big, yeah. you know, something bad happens, get your boom box, your sad, sappy song. You got 24 hours. But after that, move on. I've really tried to to do that as well. Those have been some, I love some keys. That. By the way, if you're listening, a boom box was this huge <laughs> box that had speakers attached to it. And they would put this round disc, this like that you could either do like a CD or there was, I heard a woman, I heard a young woman call it a cassette tape, cassette, a cassette tape, <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's just think of a really big, you know, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but go Google it somewhere. Like if you're young and you don't have no idea what Corey's talking about when it comes to a boom box, go Google it. You'll find something. About the only it. way I knew <laughs> is the guy actually had one up on stage. So I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I love what you're saying though about uh, reflecting on good experience, and I, I love I love this piece of not comparing yourself to others because we we find ourselves comparing ourselves to other people all the time, and we compare ourselves to people in their expertise, and then we compare our inexperience in their expertise, and that's the judgment piece. You know, uh, Maxwell Maltz uh, wrote a really fantastic book. You know, you don't need to go out and go read it unless you really want to go read it. It's, it's a little heavy in some aspects, but there's a specific uh, point within psycho-cybernetics that he starts talking about the person who walks into a, a neurosurgeon's office and says, man, I'm just, an, I'm, I just suck. I'm not very good. Like I'm, I'm probably like the worst neurosurgeon in the world. And it's like, well, yeah, no, duh. You didn't go to school for neurosurgery. Like, obviously you're not going to be good at it. So why would you ever compare yourself to someone that's like the best in their field? Maybe you should compare yourself if you want a comparison to someone that actually has the same strengths that you have. And then you start going, okay, which is exactly what you were talking about. How can we improve? How can we get better? When you see the lid of your experience, the lid of your abilities, you can actually start to hone in and make those things better. I want to rewind because you said something uh, that I think is really fascinating that I think a lot of people find scary. You were working with your wife in a business. A lot of a lot of people they think about that and think, I think I would rather pull my teeth out. I think I would rather die than work with my spouse because there's constantly going to be fighting. We're going to be constantly butting heads. I'm curious not not that I'm curious about specifically like you know the friction and those kinds of things that you guys had. I'm more curious about what did you learn about yourself as you started working with your spouse, because I have found working with my spouse as, as we're doing marriage coaching and those kinds of things together, I, I have had to learn more about myself and how I show up in those interactions than necessarily trying to figure out how to help her. Because I think that's how I started. How can I help her? <laughs> and then I switched from, okay, let's help her to, 
please somebody help me like i'm 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 messing this thing up i i need to get out of my own way what were some of the things that you learned about yourself working with yeah with your beautiful wife kimberly yeah i'll be honest with you nathan i enjoy working with my wife we enjoyed it it didn't feel like um there was tension or anything honestly we've always kind of worked together while while i was working she was in school she she would come on the weekends and work with me. We just always have worked together. But I love the question that you asked. I did learn some stuff about myself by working with her that we, we are a tag team partner, that she offers strengths that are in my weaknesses. And I have a very high propensity, Nathan, to have an idea and let's do it tomorrow. No planning, <laughs> no need for all of that. People move too slow. Let's go. And what would happen is most of the time the ideas work out really good. But what I I saw in my reflection time was that as I was charging forward, she was behind me cleaning up a bunch of mess, making it organized. Right. <laughs> and so what what has happened is I recognized her strengths of strategy and planning. And I also mm. recognized my strengths of being a visionary and let's move and act and discover along the way. And when we can balance those out, that makes a pretty powerful team. One thing that I do remember that that was a strength that, that I learned about myself is there are times, you know, you've got, you've got, or we did, we had kids and you've got, got that challenge right there of something that's happened in the home life. And now you're walking into the business world where somebody's coming in and you're coming to serve them you had to immediately shift that off that maybe that mm. somewhat of frustration. You had to shift that off because the person in front of you, one doesn't know anything about that. And it doesn't matter to them that you got to put that off and you got to serve them. And so um, not necessarily putting it in, putting it into boxes like your life in a box, work life, home life. Um, but knowing that if there was a, a frustration in one area that it didn't serve anybody to carry it into the other area. And so mm. I truly enjoyed actually working with my wife. She, she works with me now, uh, kind of like what, what you're saying you and your wife do. And uh, it's, it's great. She, uh, she makes me look better. <laughs> they normally do. You know, yeah. I, I love what you, I love how you say, you know, my, I was, I was the gung ho. I was the one moving forward. That's normally me. And my wife <laughs> is picking up the pieces, you know, behind, uh, you know, I, I remember I worked as a, when I was in, I think it was like my sophomore, sophomore, freshman year in college, I go back, to, uh, go back home and I work for the summer. It was freshman year. I went back home and I, I worked uh, for a box cutting company. So they were making like sea crates out of, out of wood. And my, I remember my boss saying, if you cut it, you better measure it twice. And I, you know, I'd never heard that expression, you know, measure twice, cut once. My wife, she's going down the line and I'm cutting like 15. Oh, that's not right. Let's get something else. And, you know, she's covered in sawdust behind me because <laughs> I'm making mistake after mistake. You know? Yeah. But it, it, it's interesting though, because when you start to see that, it gives you slight pause, right? right? Yeah. Because you want to be able to work well with one another. You don't want to cover, you know, your business partner, your spouse in sawdust. You want to, you want to be able to make clean and tidy decisions. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I really, I really do love that. Corey, I, I love that you were talking about family because family is a really big, important thing to you. You know, we, yeah. 
you you've got uh two beautiful boys a little girl and uh, man uh having that little girl in your life i think changes perspective you know we mm -hmm. we started with our girl um so i was like oh like all all of our kids are going to be like this and then you have a boy and it's like destroying everything and you know ah and like oh my gosh what is this little thing who who do you get this from oh it's never mind um <laughs> but it's me family family has become so important to you in your life, but I don't think it was always necessarily up there. Right. Cause and not that it was a choice that it wasn't up there, but there was a point, if I remember correctly, there was a point in your life where you were working like 14 hour days. There was a day that you were going off to work and you kissed your son. goodnight. It was like four 30 in, in the afternoon. Like it's not even really evening. Evening doesn't happen. I think until five o'clock. So it's like four 30 in the afternoon and you're kissing him goodnight because you're not going to see him until the next day. And he looks at you and he says, daddy, are you going to your house? And there was a moment. And I think it's the moment that I feel sometimes when my kids stop me in my tracks and they, they ask me, daddy, are you going to work? Are you going, oh, daddy's just going off to work. Don't bug daddy. And there was a moment where my heart broke and I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm doing something wrong. I'm missing something. Not, not to say that that was the exact same feeling that you had, but I'm curious for you, what was it inside of the, you change that changed and how did you start to make the changes so that you could actually put family first instead of work first? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So, um, my wife and I, we, we, we talked from the beginning that, va uh, one of our core values is, would be family, right? Uh, neither one of us grew up with a very, I would say tight knit family. And so we wanted to change that for ours. And, um, for context, you know, we owned our physical therapy clinic, we owned some gyms and a normal day would be, I would get up and I would be at our gym from about 5 a.m. to about 7.30. Then I would walk over to our physical therapy clinic from about 7.30 to 4.30, walk back to the gym from 4.30 to about 8.30 at night. And that was a day. And I loved it, man. I loved what I was doing. It did not feel like work. Uh, when people say 14 hour days, that kind of sounds like, ugh, but it did not feel like 14 hours. I enjoyed it, right? Making an impact. But one day I was telling our son, our oldest son, good night at 4.30 in the afternoon. And he looked up and he said, Daddy, you going to your house? And it was really at that moment that I was like, man, you know, I say that this is a core value of mine, but my actions and my words aren't really lining up. And so I need mm. to do something about this. I, I started realizing that I, I wasn't uh, upholding the, one of the core values. So one of the things that I did, I had been studying leadership at that point. But it was more of I was being more of a uh, a reservoir than a river, right? I was holding the information, yeah. and I had all these awesome people around me on our team that I wasn't delegating anything to. I wasn't developing anybody, and so what shifted for me was I, I started developing a team. I started developing our people, and I started empowering mm. other people and handing off tasks that I, I really had no business doing. And as I did that, it gave me my time back. But it also, interesting enough, Nathan, uh, it grew our business. It's an amazing thing whenever uh, I think John talks about one is too small of a number to do anything of significance. It's an amazing yep. thing when you have powerful people who are, who are wise, who are smart, who are talented, that you begin to empower. It's amazing what you can do. And so for yeah. me, that, that was the answer for my scenario was find the things that I'm, I need to focus on. You know, like what are my top 20% of activities I need to do? 
and then delegate and empower other people to do the others. And uh, it, it really gave us our time back and uh, just enjoy that now. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So Corey, for you growing up, uh, I'm curious, like you, you said that, you know, you didn't have a, uh, you know, family life wasn't exactly the same that you have created right now in your life uh, with your current family, your only family, I guess I should say, not your current family, <laughs> not like you're getting ready to move on or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But with, with your family, you've been highly intentional on uh, creating an environment for them. So when you were a kid growing up, you have a very different upbringing than yeah. what you're currently doing with your kids. How did your upbringing affect you and who you were and how you became a man? And how is your current upbringing of your kids, how is that shifting the way um, that they're going to be able to see themselves as they grow older? Yeah, yeah. And so I did grow up in a, a loving family, but what happened was my dad left when he was when I was about three. He left uh, to Chicago mm -hmm. with another lady. And so I was raised by my mom and my grandmother, and they loved us. They did the very best that they possibly could. And and my stepdad, he came along when I was probably about 10 or 11. But but what was interesting about that, Nathan, was I didn't position myself to be fathered. Right. I saw him mm. as another guy. He's a great guy. He really is. He's a great grandfather to to our kids today. But I would not allow myself to be fathered by him. And so I never really had a father. And what I, I did was I would watch other men. I would watch how they interacted. I saw some people who in the community, they had a great reputation, but in the house, not so much. And then I saw other people who had a great reputation in the community and their families actually wanted to be around them. And I was like, you know, mm -hmm. I want to do that. I want, I want to make sure that, you know, that my kids want to be around me, that, that I can lead them. I can correct them, but also I can, I can actually truly be a, a leader, a father. There's a difference between being a man and a father, I think. And yeah. I also find it interesting that we currently live in the largest fatherless generation in history that men did not go off to war. And what I mean by that is either fathers are not in the home physically or they're not mentally in the home. Mm -hmm. And so I also, I try really hard. It's sometimes not always, uh, not always great at it, but being present even whenever I'm there. And so trying to give time and attention as well. And so that's one of the things we're trying to change is trying to be present. I want to develop not just good kids. Like I want to develop... We've got two boys and a girl, two men and a woman who makes who makes a powerful impact on culture and society, who go out and develop leaders in mm. their generation. And that's different whenever you think from that mindset compared to whether well, just a kid and uh, I'm just going to try to raise them the best I can. I want to do that, yeah. but I'm trying to set them up for success as well. And so that's one of the things we've changed and trying to be intentional about so many parents, I don't think they see their kids in their fullest potential. You know, I don't mean that you have to, you know, say, oh, well, this is what, you know, little Jimmy's going to be doing when he's older. You know, he's going to be a doctor. Or he's going to be a NASA astronaut, you know, because he told me <laughs> or a dinosaur. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, you, you do want to be around your kids to be able to see who they are currently, but be able to project in your mind who they could be. Now, that doesn't mean you have all of the small particulars 
in place, but it does mean that you have to actually see your kids as a functional adult who is contributing and being a leader in society. Cause you're, you're right. 100%. We live in the largest gap of fatherlessness in, in, in any generation, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's not due to a war. It's not due to, uh, you know, outside, uh, influences. Uh, I think it's due to a selfishness of like, I want to do what I want to do. You know, there's a moment of becoming a parent where you say, well, you know what? I actually kind of, I can't go out with the boys and I can't go golf or I can't, you know, go shoot trap or I can't go fishing or, you know, fill in the blank. There, there is a moment in a man's life, a man's life where they realize that they have to be a father and they have to show up and they have to train their kids up. And I think we, we are missing a lot of that. How has that played a part in your parenting of saying, you know what, this is, this is how I want to show up so that my kids can see who it is that they should be growing up. Cause right. A lot of, we, we like to think that a lot of leadership and a lot of lessons are taught by verbally telling them, don't do that. Don't do this. You know, look both ways before you cross the road. And then we, you know, just barrel across the road without even looking right. We're not a good representation of what is that we're actually speaking. And so it's, it's caught, it's not taught. We've heard that. And so I'm curious for you, what are some of the things that you're working with your kids to catch versus tell and teach? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. I love that taught versus caught. Um, and so one, I would say too, um, now I, I'm a person of faith and I actually pray. I actually ask the Lord to show me what, how has he created them? He, I believe that each person is created in the image of God and he has created them uniquely for a purpose. And so, so ask him. And then also, um, I watch them and you start to see their gifts, talents, and abilities, and you, you start to see where their passions are. Just as a super quick example, our son, highly entrepreneur, uh, he is 12 years old, but uh, he would go sell lemonade. And what he would do, Nathan, is he would load it up on a little, I mean, he had a little buggy and he would go door to door, <laughs> door to door. Like Who can say no to a little nine, 10 year old selling lemonade door to door? But he's always been very entrepreneurial. And so when when we have some business discussions, like my wife and I, I'll, I'll talk to him about the importance of tithing. I'll talk to him. He's like, hey, you see this decision right here? You've got two options. One of the reasons I'm leaning towards this one, and, and I'm just interacting. I'm just showing him some of the decisions that I'm making. We also do like some worship events and we, we do some, some stuff with our city. We just... It, it, we engage them in the whole process, right? I'll say, hey, I talked with the city. This is what they said. This is what we did. And they're there with us the whole time. They see what the setup looks like, the teardown, the, all of it. And so I try to engage them with the entire process. They ask questions, try to be able to answer. And sometimes it doesn't seem like they are even paying any attention, but they are, Nathan. They are because I hear the little conversations that they, that they talk about. I hear the conversations mm-hmm. they have with themselves and with their friends. And so they are paying attention and much more is caught than actual is taught. So we just, we try to uh, have them engage in everything that we do and be a part of everything that we do. Our daughter, I've even taken her out of school to go do some speaking engagements with me. Right. And she'll be my videographer. She's like nine. Um, She's probably better than most videographers that are out she there too. Is. <laughs> she is. And so recently 
I guess about six months ago, we, we, we drove up to Nashville and I had a speaking engagement there and she, you know, the guy who never missed the day of school, checked our daughter out. She missed the day of school <laughs> to be my videographer. Didn't want that uh, to be your legacy that, you know, your daughter was there every single day. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> you want to keep that right. record in the family, right? That's, that's what right. it really I'm is. Make sure they do not pass my record. <laughs> so, so we just try to engage them in everything we do. I think that's such a huge point. And I hope you're hearing this because this is something, especially if you have kids or if you're ever planning to have kids, this is such a big piece that I think parents miss. Parents try to shield their kids from realities of life. That doesn't mean that, you know, you don't protect your kids from certain ideologies and different kinds of things because you, as a, at a young age, you do have to make sure that you're careful of what is being poured into your kids. Now, when it comes to experience though, you got to teach your kids, you got to allow them to experience what life is really like. You know, uh, our kids just went to the dentist. One of the things that when I take our kids to the dentist, they turn on these TVs and they have Bluey on or something like that. And I'm like, turn the TV off. My kids don't need to watch TV while they're getting their teeth cleaned. They can sit there like a normal adult because guess what? I don't get to watch sports or TV when I'm having my teeth cleaned. So they don't get to watch, you know, a show when they're getting theirs cleaned. And most adults, they would listen to me saying that and they're like, wow, that seems really harsh. No, that's the reality of life. There are times where you have to sit still and experience things. You're, you are teaching your kids about community and it's not just community of showing up and experiencing and taking, it's actually showing up and it's being a part of, it's building community. It's, you know, it's putting things together. It's, it's taking things and tearing things down. You know, one of the things I love so much about certain parents is that they teach their kids service because service is such a huge thing of how do we show up and care for other people? You know, you, you said earlier that we shouldn't come with all of our baggage to every single conversation. Sometimes you need to show up for the other person and how can you be your best for that person so that they can process that they can go through things for you in terms of this idea of serving and lifting other people, Corey, has that always been something deep down inside of you? Has that service bug always been there? Or was that something that was caught from your folks growing up? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, it probably was imparted by my grandmother to an extent, but I think it was always there as well. Like I can remember as as a kid growing up, we would get together, all us guys, all us boys, and we'd play baseball or football or tennis or whatever. But I was always the one that gathered everyone. And I wanted to make sure everybody was a part of that. Uh, and so from an early age, really trying to, to do that piece as well. And that, that was really, I think, when I was telling the story about going into physical therapy, that was really what drew me to it as well as serving other people, helping people get back to doing what they were previously doing prior to an accident or whatever it was. And so that serving piece has always kind of been there. Um, and I, I guess from the genesis of that, it was probably my grandmother. She was big time hmm. uh, community service, big time in church uh, service. And, uh, and so, yeah, it, it's always been a big part. And it's fun to see now that our kids pick up on that as well on how yeah. they want to be a part and how they're actually asking to do different things. And uh, so that's, that's fun too. Yeah. That is cool. 
I think I really do love that because you are gifting your kids with opportunities. What are the opportunities that you're starting to create for your kids? Like you've already, you've already talked about a couple, especially, you know, your son having, you know, his lemonade selling business. <laughs> I love that teaching, <laughs> teaching them entrepreneurship. I think that's one of the things that I think a lot of parents should do. I think they should teach their kids about entrepreneurship. Growing up for me, uh, my father was an entrepreneur. I didn't know he was an entrepreneur until I graduated college and started trying to be an entrepreneur myself. And I was like, Oh, my dad had his own business for 35 plus years. And I didn't even know it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there's, there's a, there's a moment where you start going, huh, I wish my folks had taught me that. And it's not that they were like trying to keep me from learning. It was just not something back in those days that you were teaching your kids about business and how to build a business and how to, you know, market and do those kinds of things. Those, those things were never taught to me, right? Those were things yeah. that I had to learn myself. And so as I move forward as a parent, I'm going, well, how do I, how do I teach my kids to show up in these different capacities? How are you starting to create these opportunities in your kid's life? Yeah, that's a great question too. And so it's funny, you know, the lemonade stand, that was all his idea. Uh, so he, he just took the initiative. And so I'll give you a couple of examples. Our daughter, she, I guess all of them are entrepreneurial, but she made some bracelets and she's got her own business. Got, By the way, she's nine. She's nine. That's right. Nine. And she has her own business card. It's called Kindle's Creations. And uh, so she's got <laughs> some it. bracelets and there's a salon that carries her bracelets here. And so she's she sold some. But here's the other thing, too. And so creating those kind of opportunities, I also speak it into them, right? Like our son, I know he's mm. very entrepreneurial. And so when I pray with him and I talk about how, how he's wise and I thank God for the wisdom and how he's wise in business and wise financially. Mm -hmm. Our daughter, she's very creative. I speak that into her and our son, our youngest son, he's highly gifted communicator. Uh, and so talk about that. But one of the, the best examples we're currently doing as it relates to your question is, I don't know how many listeners out there have kids and they're in school. They are always Maybe it's a thing in Mississippi, Nathan. I don't know. They are always selling stuff. Man, these schools are always selling stuff. Popcorn. Uh, Christmas trees. Yeah, whatever, right? And so we put them on the selling stuff. I'm like, we don't sell it for them. Like we may create the opportunities of like, hey, I've got a couple of people that, that are coming to this thing. If you want to tell them about your your Marvel Troopers mug, you know, or whatever. And they do it. They do it and let them sell it. I, I don't know how many, um, our daughter, she sold these chances for some pottery. I don't know how many she sold. Like they did it though. Like, and so allowing them that opportunity, I think it's a great opportunity mm. for them to see, you know, it's an interesting thing until you actually see money, like, or, or see the numbers, you don't really have a, have a clear foundation for what that what that is or what's a lot, what's a little, what can I do mm -hmm. with it? And uh, it, it gives them that perspective. It allows them to see, oh, if I sell five of these, I make this, which allows me to do this or whatever. And so yeah. uh, talk to them about that, that and give them that perspective and allow them to do the thing, you know? Yeah. 
I love that. Ah, man, it's so good. There's so many great nuggets. Uh, I hope you guys are taking great notes because there are some really great things to capture uh, from what Corey's talking about. I want to also encourage you to go check out Corey. Go follow him. Got some great stuff on Instagram. Something just dropped today and I was listening to it. I was like, man, that is so good. And what I love about his Instagram lives that he does in, in his videos is that they're truly hitting some hard topics. It's not always just, you know, happy and how to make life better. Sometimes it's just really cutting to the core of, of what we really need to be wrestling with as people. And so I want to encourage you, go check out Corey. You can find him, Corey underscore Lee underscore leadership. Um, but you can also go to CoreyLeeLeadership.com. You can uh, check out some of his programs. He's a great coach too. So if you're looking for a coach, you can go check him out. Corey, before we wrap up today, I want to ask you another question here. You know, I, I love this this piece of identity. You know, so often I, I think... And I've, and I've said this multiple times. I know that many of you have heard me say this, but so many times in life, we are so focused on the doing piece. We're so focused on accomplishments and trying to get ahead and, and be the best that we can be that we kind of sell part of ourselves off. We, we, we lose part of who we are in our identity. And the worst thing is to be running after something so hard hit it and then realize, man, I've lost everything of who I am in order to hit this. It's not important, right? Corey, you and I, we, we are of the same belief of that and understanding of that. Corey, I'm, I'm curious for yourself, when you start creating a goal of something that you want to go and hit, what are some of the checks and balances that you have that you go through to make sure that you're going to be in alignment with your core. If you're doing things that are in alignment with who you are, you receive benefits. And if you go against those, you find consequences in your life. Life is going to be painful and you don't want pain, right? I'm, I'm curious for you, what are some of those checks and balances that you have to make sure that you are in alignment with who you are versus just chasing the next rabbit? Yeah, man, that is a great question. It's such a powerful thing. I love everything that you've talked about on identity because it is such a key, key thing. And I think something we don't think a, a lot about, and I love your teaching on that. I think it's so, so powerful and really needed as well. And so some of the things that I really try to check out is I have about five core values, like really, really core values. And then there are some other values outside of that that I you know, hold dear. And so that is one of the things that I definitely look at is understanding what my core values are. And that's almost like a boundary. So you want to mm -hmm. know what you're not. I want to know what my non-negotiables are. So what's in alignment with that? What's in alignment with kind of long-term uh, vision? So creating a long-term vision. And those are the two, two real things that I look at, values and vision. And those are my guardrails. But then also discussing that, that with my wife, because usually she is, I mean, we're partners, right? And so obviously she's affected by what I choose to do or choose not to do. And I, I ask for her perspective and then having some wise counsel in my own life uh, to offer their perspective. It doesn't mean that I have to do exactly what they say, but having some wise counsel is very, uh, very powerful because it's a different perspective. And a lot of times the thing that I'm trying to accomplish or create, I'm emotionally attached to Nathan. And sometimes they can see past the emotion to see where it can go. So for me, those, those are almost the three filters that I look at values and vision. And, uh, if you want to call them uh, wise counsel, including my wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's well, in the wise counsel. I think, well, I think wise counsel is important. I think we discount wise counsel, right? Mm -hmm. And we can we can learn so much from people, but we can also 
make sure that we're not going to go through the pain of some of the circumstances that are going to be caused from being misaligned with an opportunity that we have going forward. You know, Corey, this this piece of identifying your core values is huge. If you want to learn more about identifying core values, go go check Corey out. Um, you know, he has some great stuff around that. Core values, like, you know, we, we've heard it before said that uh, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And it, it's in that same vein that I think about core values. Of, if you don't know what your core values are, well, guess what? you're going to live life all willy nilly. You're going to be all over the place. You, you are going to find yourself in places that you thought you'd never go to. And that's not a good thing. At the end of the day, you got to start asking yourself, well, what do I want my life to be? That's why this vision is really important of having a vision for your life. What do you want to have at the end of your life? But then also the value of what value does this bring to me? But I think there's also this other question because of Corey's background of servant leadership of what is the value to the other people that are involved? I think it's, oh man, this is so good. And I think we could probably talk on this for an, uh, another hour alone. Man, this was so good, Corey. I really appreciate you coming on the program to be able to share, talk about identity, talk about who you are, how you're working through things today. For those of you listening, I want to encourage you to go check out Corey. Truly, he is an awesome guy to follow. Also, I want to encourage you to subscribe and like this podcast and share this episode with someone who needs to hear what Corey had to say today because there was such amazing amounts of wisdom that he was just pouring out. So Corey, brother, I thank you so much for being on. And with everyone else, uh, I want to always remind you to be more, see more, experience more together.